Yeah, many believe the corn is roasted with togarashi, but it turns out they meant it was roasted with Hiro's brother, Tadashi. <laughs> That's the worst joke? He's not real, Sabrina. No, it's not. Rejected Epcot International Food and Wine uh, food booth. <laughs> the enchanted tzatziki room. <laughs> <laughs> It's the battle of the Sally's from Haunted Mansion. The ballerina on the tightrope, she's there every day. She doesn't just swoop in for the season and then <laughs> go back to, you know, Hawaii so or wherever. Hawaii, they're from, they're from Halloween Town. Oh. This woman yeah. is so together. You think she's on a beach in Hawaii? <laughs> There's a lot of women on a beach in Hawaii have been sewn together. <laughs> oh my God. I'm, I'm leaving, all right. This is News Today with WDW News Today. I'm Tom Corliss of WDWNT.com. Please like this video, subscribe, and hit the notifications bell to make sure you never miss the latest from the Disney theme parks around the world. Here now the news for July 28, 2023. Walt Disney World has announced that the location of the Hatbox Ghost in the Haunted Mansion at the Magic Kingdom will be different from where it is in the Disneyland version of the ride. The ghost will materialize in the attraction later this year, and guests will soon see temporary barriers set up for his arrival. Here's exactly what Disney said. Later this year at the Walt Disney World Resort, one of our most iconic specters will set up residence in the haunted mansion of Liberty Square in Magic Kingdom Park. Topbox ghosts will appear to guests as they pass the endless hallway, welcoming himself inside from the swinging wake in the cemetery and grinning at the doom buggies as they set off deeper into the mansion. Guests will soon see temporary barriers materialize as we await his apparition. Uh, again, so the Hatbox Ghost in uh, California is pretty close to his original location he was in in 1969. Um, of course, as lore goes, it didn't work very well. They decided we should take it out since it doesn't work, and he vanished from the attic. That's where he was originally in the attic. Um, when they put him back for Disneyland's 60th anniversary, this new version, um, there wasn't really, again, they had just redone the attic scene in 2005 for the 50th. Um, and they weren't looking to change that scene, but they were like, oh, outside, when you leave the attic and go outside, there's this space essentially on the roof, this um, balcony where he could go. And it makes sense. Obviously, there's this whole scene about a bride who is lopping all of her ex, or, they weren't ex-husbands yet, but after she murdered them, they were. Um, she, all of her husbands, she's chopped off all their heads. And then there's this guy where his, his decapitated head appears in a box, right? Um, so there was, there was a correlation. It made sense. It worked really well. Um, and at this point, you're starting to see ghosts in the mansion. For those unfamiliar with the storyline of the Haunted Mansion, the idea is that slowly ghosts begin to materialize, right? You see these spooky things. You see books moving, a piano playing itself, um, you know, phantom footsteps on upside-down stairs, the eyes in the wallpaper, you're, you're noticing that something in this house is not completely right. And then you start to actually see spirits when Madame Leota has the seance and ushers them in. This would be considerably earlier in the attraction. So the endless hallway is that, for those of you who don't know, the long hallway with the candelabra that's sort of floating around. Um, he would be uh, not on the side, the, the suit of armor would still be there, but supposedly um, where the Donald Duck chair 
um, is on the left side of that scene, he will be coming in through that door. So he will be the first ghost to appear and will appear at least two uh, scenes ahead of when ghosts are actually supposed to materialize in the ride. So it undermines the story of the attraction a bit. I know people are going on and on, I won't spoil it too much, that this kind of works within the movie story, but we're not in the movie story and this is not the movie character. Um, so I don't really understand why it's not going in the same place that it is in California, which worked really well. I, I have no idea, I haven't heard any reasoning, but nonetheless, it's going in this really weird spot. Um, and this is, it, it's nonsensical. It's completely nonsensical. And I've seen a lot of social media backlash and I agree with it. I'm on board with everybody on this one. I think this is one of the most legendary attractions of all time. This is a big deal to be adding this character and he's never been in the Florida version. People love this character. Um, why put him in the wrong place? And why? And, and if there is an obstacle to overcome, to put him in the place he's supposed to be, then why is Imagineering not working um, to solve that problem and put him where he belongs, or at least in a place that makes more sense? Um, and this is what we're seeing. We're seeing a lot of illogical changes at the parks, things that don't make sense, whether in story, for continuity, uh, you know, uh, these places where we see IP pushed in for no reason, where it doesn't really make a lot of sense. Um, and, and that's the theme of today's show. The theme of today's show is, is the creative side of this company is directionless. And it's unclear if they're being forced to do these things that don't make sense, and man this is what management wants, this is what the parks want, um, or, or are they creatively bankrupt? Have all the people with good ideas that really understand this thing and understand what makes something work and what makes something not, are, are those people all gone? Was the damage done during those five really awful years, was enough damage done to the point where the company cannot be salvaged? Um, and, and that's the question. And today's news, I think there are several stories where I question where they're going and what they're doing, right? And, and we saw this recently at Disneyland Paris where they redid um, the 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea walkthrough of course, what is the most famous thing you think of when you think of 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea? You think of the Nautilus submarine and it battling with a giant squid. And not only they removed the movie music, they removed, a, there's no giant squid in the 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea attraction. Instead, you look at dolphins and turtles and whales. That is as illogical and nonsensical as the Hatbox Ghost. And both of those projects are not ones where they didn't spend money, right? Like they're spending money, they're building a new animatronic. In that case, and in the, in the Paris situation, they spent all that money to, to build that, you know, the projection technology for that and make it believable. So money was spent either way. Is it the same money as fixing a giant squid animatronic? No, but nonetheless, money was spent, right? And so at that point, if someone's agreeing to pay money towards something, why can't that money be used to do the project correctly? and logically and in a way that makes sense with, with what you're updating, right? And whether it makes sense to the story of the mansion or the story of 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea or the other stuff we'll talk about today. Why is that not happening? I, I would love to know what is going on because everything just feels very illogical and haphazard and, and careless at this point. But nonetheless, we will uh, be watching for those temporary barriers, which we assume will pop up uh, during that upcoming August closure of the Haunted Mansion. Uh, you know, the one where Disney told media that that wasn't for that project, but it, it is. Yeah, so stay tuned. 
Walt Disney World has announced new and old Haunted Mansion treats will be available for the release of the film uh, starting this weekend. Uh, the items will presumably only be available for a limited time, but exact dates were not announced. There's the Playful Spirits Margarita featuring Patron Silver Tequila with a Fess Parker Big Easy Red Floater and Mickey-shaped Caretaker Beignets dusted with cookies and cream, powdered sugar, and a ghoulish marshmallow cream drizzle. Both of those can be found inside Scat Cat's Club at Disney's Port Orleans Resort French Quarter. We actually have a review of the beignets up at WDWNT.com. There's also a peanut butter and jelly push pop with a chocolate tombstone at Sleepy Hollow Refreshments of the Magic Kingdom. A Happy Haunt Shake is back at Columbia Harbor House at Magic Kingdom as well. That's the blackberry shake topped with purple chocolate glazed donut covered with black sprinkles. That's a review we already have up as well. There's also Haunted Mansion portrait bars at the Ganachery at Disney Springs. They're chocolate ganache bars with edible image. The bar flavors are pistachio, salted caramel, chipotle, and passion fruit. A Smellifants on Parade experience. <laughs> I can't not laugh at this name. The Smellifants on Parade experience is coming to Storybook Circus at the Magic Kingdom. This new family-friendly search and sniff adventure is sponsored by Scentsy, the official home fragrance of Walt Disney World Resort. The experience takes inspiration from the Pink Elephants on Parade sequence from Dumbo, and concept art includes a popcorn-themed elephant statue that will be installed in the land. Cast members will provide guests with a Smellifants on Parade map and sticker sheet at the ticket booth in front of Big Top Souvenirs. And with assistance, you're not even trying with that one, uh, in training can then explore Storybook Circus to find the Smellifant statues and record their unique scents. Sensi will also become the sponsor of Dumbo the Flying Elephant, the ride in Fantasyland. Of course, this is the latest collaboration between Sensi and Disney World, who entered into an official multi-year partnership back in 2021. Prior to that partnership, the Candle Company had already been making licensed Disney products for the past three years. The 2023 Epcot International Food and Wine Festival has begun, and of course, we here at WDWNT were there to bring you all the coverage. If you head to WDWNT.com, you'll find reviews of every single festival booth. We tried every new item, all 50 of them, in fact, and there will be a video review available right here on our YouTube channel. It may be up by the time the news is out. I'm not sure at this point. Um, you can check that out. We've also uh, posts uh, and photos uh, with prices of all of the merchandise that was released for the event. Uh, you can check all of that out. And as well, uh, the returning uh, spectacle of light on Spaceship Earth. All that coverage again at WDWNT.com. This program is brought to you by our official travel agent sponsor, Be Our Guest Vacations. Your dream vacation begins with Be Our Guests and their concierge team of expert vacation planners. Head on over to BeOurGuestVacations.com slash WDWNT and their team will design your next magical vacation from the Walt Disney World and Disneyland Resorts to the Disney Cruise Line to Adventures by Disney and more. They're also able to book unforgettable VIP tours where you and your group can experience the ultimate park day. The best part is their concierge services are 100% free, so book today. Disney shared a first look at the new cast member costumes for Journey of Water inspired by Moana, as well as the Seas with Nemo and Friends in World Nature at Epcot. The new blue costumes are designed to be more comfortable, breathable, and environmentally friendly than before, a running theme with new cast member costumes. Earlier this year, Walt Disney World PhotoPass photographers debuted a new, uh, literally and figuratively green costume. The versatile shirts have a wave detail on the sleeve that will only be visible when uh, it's rolled up and buttoned up, so the Journey of Water cast members can show off the Moana-inspired wave, while the Seas cast members would just have a blue stripe. 
If you're hoping to meet Max Goof as part of Powerline or Chip and Dale in their Rescue Rangers outfits, you're sadly out of luck, as both character meet and greets have now been relocated and updated to their original versions without costumes at Hollywood Studios. Chip and Dale can now be found on the grassy lawn of the Hollywood Brown Derby restaurant at various times throughout the day. They also carry around pumpkins with portraits of themselves carved into them as we head into the Halloween season. Both could previously be found wearing their Chippendales Rescue Rangers costumes at the former Fast Pass distribution area for the Indiana Jones Epic Stunt Spectacular. Max, on the other hand, has traded in his Powerline costume for his original getup from Goof Troop and moved, from his former, uh, moved back to his former meet and greet uh, from where he was on Grand Avenue. You'll now find him by Echo Lake. Donald has been relocated from the character sighting between uh, the Brown Derby and the Pathway, and guests can now say hi to him in Echo Lake as well, outside of 50s primetime. And then, uh, meanwhile, Goofy uh, will be available, continue to be available on Grand Avenue as well. So a big, big character shakeup. I don't know why Powerline and Rescue Rangers are already gone. Those were really popular. People love those, but for some reason, they're no longer a thing. Walt Disney World is casting lookalikes for Asha from the upcoming film Wish for an unknown type of appearance at the parks. Asha could potentially have a meet and greet, join the Adventure Friends Cavalcade at Magic Kingdom, or could be for something else. But online submissions will be accepted now through August 8th of 2023. Either way, Asha from Wish coming to Walt Disney World. Trails End Restaurant and Crockett's Tavern at Disney's Fort Wilderness Resort and Campground have reopened with their new looks and updated menus. Wednesday was the soft opening. They officially opened on Thursday, July 27th. We're going to take a quick look right now. Trails End, of course, is part of Pioneer Hall, which also houses the hoop doo musical review. Guests now enter Trails End through what was the entrance of P&J's Southern Takeout, the former counter service. Guests enter Trails End uh, right below a light fixture made of horseshoes. So this is um, this entrance area was the entrance of P&J's, which of course was always connected to Trails End. But now Trails End acting as a counter service, not only as a grab and go, but also with a seating area, as you'll see. Uh, in front of them is a counter with menus available to grab, and seating is to the right, while food is ahead where the buffet stations once resided. At the counters to the left, guests can order breakfast meals, pizza, and hand-scooped ice cream. And shelves along the tops of the walls host uh, retro pots and pans, ingredient boxes, baskets, and other props. Uh, this case has prepackaged hot food. And during lunch and dinner, the hot food will include a lot of staples of the restaurant, including uh, fried chicken, the bread pudding, 10-hour smoked pulled pork, mashed potatoes, cowboy beans, chili, green beans, macaroni and cheese, pecan smoked whole chicken, a pecan smoked brisket, and a whole rack of ribs. Prepackaged items also available during breakfast before 11.30 a.m. if you want to bring them back and, you know, you can warm them yourself, right? Uh, guests can check out at one of the registers in front of the seating area. Uh, and there you'll find cornbread loaves available for $6.49. Against the wall after the drink counter is a shelving unit for mobile order pickup. Utensils hang above it, and to the side uh, is a not-so-hidden Mickey made of pans. And meanwhile, old art pieces depicting Americans taming the West have been removed. They've been replaced with propping that is perhaps more reminiscent of a Cracker Barrel restaurant. It's not really being mean. Look at it. That's definitely what it is. Uh, the restaurant received all new tables and chairs as well. The walls are decorated with more horseshoes, cooking utensils, and other uh, Western iconography in the loosest sense. The original entrance to Trails End is now the entrance to Crockett's Tavern. It's also a staircase up to the seating area and an exit. 
Crockett's Tavern is just on the other side of a wall from Trails End. Uh, this was more Trails End dining space, this lower dining area, but was now given to the bar, making Crockett's Tavern essentially a lounge. It had very limited seating before at the bar. Uh, there are also high top tables made of brown barrels, but you'll see there is a lot of actual seating too. Wagon wheels are hung on one wall, replacing a portrait of Crockett, even though his name is still on the establishment. Uh, Crockett's Tavern will be open starting in the afternoon. It'll continue to have a window outside where guests can grab and go uh, drinks. And new exterior seating is expected to be coming soon, but as of right now, the patio is just empty. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to stop and talk about this for a minute. Um, I don't think this is what people wanted, right? So they're, what they've essentially done is they're filling the gap of Trails End. They've decided like, oh, Trails End, we don't want to do the buffet and, and people may still want to sit down and eat. So what we should do um, perhaps is have a lounge. So we expand Crockett's Tavern into a lounge, which will have certain bites so people can sit and be served food if they'd like. That, that's, that's the fill-in essentially. But now they have P&J's, which was just a grab-and-go location, is now a place where you can also sit and eat. So we've retired one of the most beloved table service restaurants, the Buffet at Trails End at Fort Wilderness for, for this project. Uh, number two, the interior is, is awful. This is awful. Um, it's very modern. That ordering area with the food is extraordinarily modern and out of place. It looks like everything else they've been doing with room remodels at Wilderness Lodge and Fort Wilderness, what they're doing with the cabins coming up. Um, it, it doesn't look right. It doesn't look like it belongs there at all. It's very modern and clean and is not what Fort Wilderness is. Um, also, like, I can't understand what, who that art was offending. Like, if that art had been left on the wall, what, what that would have done to people, right? It's people on horses or in, or in covered wagons. Like, who did that offend? Why was it decided it was better to have just pots and pans and, th like, it, it looks like Cracker Barrel. It actually looks like a Cracker Barrel now. Uh, albeit a very clean Cracker Barrel, but a Cracker Barrel nonetheless. Um, and then to, to, to leave the name Crockett's Tavern, there are no, there's no inkling of, of who the place is named after, right? They removed the portrait. The Mike Fink keelboat is gone, the big one they had in the glass case. None of that was worked into the establishment. Someone was like, oh, we got to take this Davy Crockett picture off the wall. What are we replacing it with? I don't know, a bunch of wagon wheels? It doesn't even look good. It doesn't look like anything. It's, it's too many wagon wheels on a wall, um, clearly done in a decorative way, right? It's not a, it's not a story or theming element where they're, they're like stored there. Um, this, is, this is like if you decided, oh, I'm gonna open a restaurant chain where we serve country fixins, and oh, what are we gonna, oh, well, we'll go to Home Goods and we'll buy a bunch of, of, of Western looking things at Home Goods and put them on the wall. And that, that's not theming. That's not theming, that's, that's decorating. Theming is when you tell a story with the propping and the design of the establishment. And we're no longer doing that at Fort Wilderness. That Fort Wilderness has died. And when the cabins arrive, it'll be, uh, it'll be no more. It will no longer be a thing. Um, Hoop, Hoop de doo will be the last piece, really, of that resort that, that it all um, carries out the story and the theme. That's it. I mean, Tricircle D got modernized. Um, you know, they've, they've, they've ripped out everything else. They've ripped out everything else. I, I don't, look, I'm not the Fort Wilderness crowd, but I cannot imagine 
that this better serves them. Maybe I'm wrong, but either way, it, it, it's not Disney. It is, it is unequivocally not Disney quality. You know, for a company that keeps going on and on about how important story is, they continue to do a tremendous job ripping it out of everything or diluting that story. But let us know in the comments how you feel. I'm, I'm going to go check it out this weekend. I, I assume I'm not going to be happy, but the, the photos alone look ab abysmal, really abysmal. Disney Vacation Club members eligible for membership extras can save 20% on a Disney VIP tour at Walt Disney World later this summer. Regular pricing for the VIP tour ranges from $450 to $900 per hour, depending on the season. 20% discount is available on select dates from August 15th through September 30th. Disney Vacation Club members can book, by be, uh, book beginning on August 15th by calling 407-560-4033. Disney Vacation Club members who purchase directly from Disney and are eligible for membership extras may book the tour. The Haunted Mansion Hatbox Ghost Sipper has arrived at Disneyland Resort in honor of the new film, now in theaters. The Sipper is available at the Harbor Galley, but also the Haunted Mansion Churro and Popcorn Carts. It's $32. The strap is a nearly black blue with Haunted Mansion iconography and Disney Parks printed on it. The images including eyes from the Haunted Mansion wallpaper, spider webs, and statues. The ghost head uh, pops off fittingly uh, so you could fill up the Sipper with a drink. And a straw is built into his head. There are three different modes for the light effect, which is controlled by a switch next to the battery pack on the back of the sipper. One mode has the light switch back and forth from his head to the hat box. The second mode illuminates just his head, and the third mode illuminates just the hat box. It, we've reached a point where the food and beverage team is more thoughtful than um, whatever's going on with resorts and, and um, attractions, right? Um, someone, someone designed a really cool cup, and I have to talk about that immediately after talking about the blandest restaurant interior they've done. Three more Disneyland restaurants will offer alcohol for the first time beginning on September 12, 2023. Carnation Cafe on Main Street, USA, the Riverbell Terrace in Frontierland, and Cafe Orleans in New Orleans Square will all be serving wine, beer, and specialty cocktails starting that day. They'll also be introducing new food options and additional specialty beverages for those who do not drink or are too young. Disney has not yet released the full updated menus, but Riverbell Terrace will be launching a brunch offering and new items such as roasted summer squash and a barbecue burnt ends pasta. New drinks will include a wild berry mule, which is alcoholic, and a Mississippi mud pie, which is not. Carnation Cafe will offer a new veggie skillet, Walt's chili cheese omelet, plus Bloody Mary, alcohol, that's alcoholic, and a mimosa options with breakfast as well. For lunch and later, a peach pie margarita and orange cream soda will also be offered. Disneyland was a historically dry park with the exception of the private Club 33, which first opened in 1967. Ogus Cantina in Star Wars Galaxy's Edge was the first publicly accessible location in Disneyland to serve alcohol starting in 2019. Guests are not allowed to carry alcoholic drinks out of the bar. This was followed by the Blue Bayou Restaurant, which added wine, beer, and cocktails to its menu in 2021. Crews have installed the riverboat elements atop Tiana's Palace, the new restaurant coming to New Orleans Square at Disneyland Park. Tiana's Palace is a reimagining of the old French market restaurant. Animators partially based Tiana's Palace in the film on the French market's facade, and in the film, the completed restaurant features riverboat elements on the roof. Uh, there is a small windowed tower and two smokestacks uh, topped with golden crowns. The same elements are in the concept art for Tiana's Palace at Disneyland, and now we're seeing them actually appear up on top of the building. The crown-topped smokestacks and the tower are there. You can see them through the scaffolding and scrim in these photos. 
The bottom of a black smokestack is visible beneath the scrim, as is the white tower between them. And there were previously brick chimneys on the French market restaurant roof. Disneyland Resort has made the decision to put Fantasmic on hiatus through at least the spring of 2024 and has announced that the show will return with a new climactic battle between Mickey and Maleficent, although Maleficent will not be in her dragon form. Disney stated the Maleficent dragon won't be part of the show at that time, but has also not gone as far as to say it will eventually return. During the second performance of Fantasmic on April 22nd, the iconic Maleficent dragon used in the, uh, the end of the show uh, caught on fire. It burned down and has obviously the show has not returned since, even though they thought maybe they could bring it back sooner. Uh, Disney has now said the show will return with new special effects and this new finale um, when it comes back in the spring. They've said there will be other fill-in entertainment other than the jazz band on the river, which by the way is very cute and charming. Not a adequate replacement for Fantasmic, but a thing they probably should have all the time anyway, because it's great atmospheric entertainment. Um, but they've said there will be some other fill-in entertainment between now and the spring uh, when Fantasmic does return. Um, I want to say something. A lot of people are, are quick to say the dragon will never come back, and it, it, it may never. Um, but to put things in perspective, this company now moves at an incredibly slow pace when developing something from scratch, right? Um, despite claiming that they had been working on Tiana's Bayou Adventure for years at the time they announced it, um, you know, during all that, all of the uh, George Floyd um, uh, stuff that was going on at that time in, in the summer of 2020, um, which I think a, a week later they announced that project or two weeks later, something like that. Um, they claim they've been working on that for years, but again, that was summer of 2020. We're now finally under construction on this ride. And it's not going to open until late 2024. That's a four to five year gap, essentially. Um, so look, if that dragon went down, that dragon always gave them problems to begin with. From day one, it debuted late. It fell over another time. It caught a blaze. You know, obviously they were not going to order that dragon again, right? So if the dragon is coming back to the show, it has to be something, you know, drawn from scratch, designed from scratch, that'll be completely new. And so um, if it's ever coming back, I think it's going to be a couple years um, until it is. And they've decided, well, we can't have Fantasmic gone that long. So we got to do something with it. Um, we'll, we'll wait and see. But it, I, again, another, you know, this is not a particular, particular bright spot in the history of this company. And um, the fact that it's going to take a couple years to get a dragon back in there, maybe. And, it, and if it even comes back. Um, you know, but again, right, we talked about... Um, theming and story and what's important and and uh, the fact that they they in, in an announcement made no commitment to their audience to their fans that the dragon someday will return to just be like no we got this new ending and new special effects hope you enjoy it you know even if that's the case if you are going to come back without the dragon if there are plans to bring it back it should have been said it should have been stated to make people feel like oh, okay they they care this is the most important part of the show and they care and we'll bring it back eventually and I can live with that. And instead we're sitting here and we're like, well, we don't really know. So instead it's going to be human Maleficent and Mickey battling in some way and that's just what Fantasmic is now, a show that does not have its most recognized and quintessential feature in it. But time will tell. We'll wait and see what, what happens. Meanwhile, over at Disney California Adventure, in phases we are seeing the debut of San Francisco Square, which is replacing uh, Pacific Wharf. Of course, last week we had a number of menus updated from uh, the Lucky Fortune Cookery, Cocina Cucamonga. The brand new San Francisco Cerveceria is now open, and as well, Rita's Turbine Blenders has replaced Rita's Baja Blenders. And again, uh, all of those locations have brand new menus. 
And Eric and I, while we were out there, tried them all. So uh, it may be out by the time you're watching this. We also have a video review of all of the food in San Francisco Square. Uh, be sure to check it out. If you'd rather read it, it is up at DisneylandNewsToday.com already. You can uh, see what you need to try. Disney Parks has shared a first look at the new Miguel statue that will be outside of Casa de Coco, Restaurante de Familia, which will open on July 29th at Disneyland Paris. The Mexican restaurant is a reimagining of Fuente del Oro Restaurante in Frontierland. With the announcement of the restaurant's opening date, they shared an Instagram video of the new Miguel statue being installed outside overnight. Disneyland Paris also shared uh, five Easter eggs in total that guests will see at Casa de Coco. Uh, we'll go over those now. The statue is one of those. So here's the other four. Uh, we have the Papal Picados that make them un poco loco. As you continue your journey and enter the patio, just look above to see the colorful Papal Picados. This Mexican tradition inspired Pixar artists to use Papal Picados as a way to introduce us to the past of the Rivera family in the movie's opening scene. For the restaurant, nearly 200 papal picados were created by Imagineers who found inspiration for the motifs in Mexican folklore, music, and floral elements. There's also the colorful power of alabrijes. Alabrijes, which are the spirit guides to the land of the dead, are another Mexican art form that inspired both Pixar artists and Imagineers. Towering above a huge carved and colorful alabrije reminiscent of Dante, Miguel's spirit guide, playfully stretches to either side of the counter. There's also going to be a guitar to remember. In La Sala de Musica, uh, the crown jewel of Miguel's rediscovered family's heritage is proudly displayed among many musical instruments. Hector's guitar takes a place of pride, and towards the back of the room, you could also read notices or notes from pages of his diary. To translate these unique elements from screen to reality, no details were spared as Pixar shared their original references with Imagineers. And last but not least, they are celebrating Una Familia de Zapateros. On, on the other side, in La Sala de Familia, portraits of beloved family members are front and center, both honoring them and ensuring their stories live on. The room also displays the trade that brought this family together, shoemaking. Traditional woven fabric, shoemakers' tools, and shoe boxes featuring the family's brand proudly showcase the craftsmanship and expertise of the Riveras inherited from Mama Imelda and the generations that followed. Okay, so I, Coco is one of my favorite movies Period. I love this film. And I'm very excited that it has a place in the park. But again, we have to, to think about the, its frontier land, about the American frontier. Mexico is not in the American frontier. It's not part of the United States of America. In fact, it's another country. Um, so why does this make sense here? I don't, I don't know. Um, but also, like, I just saw, seeing the Dante, uh, it, if you've ever been to Disneyland Paris, they did the most unbelievable job when they built this park. It is, the, the detail, the thoughtfulness, the propping is unreal. Uh, this park in Disney Sea, the two most special Disney parks in the world, bar none. Um, and to see them just brightly paint over, um, there was a big, uh, I think it was a, it was a pig or a cow. Um, that was painted over the counter originally. And to see them just shoehorn Dante, right? Because the, the, the shape of the face of the animal is not correct, so they just, like, paint it in. Instead of, like, sculpting the face to be Dante, they just painted over uh, what was there to begin with. Um, you know, the, this stuff, it, it, it worries me. It, it worries me the direction we're heading in, right? Like, I do not doubt... Coco, Coco deserves a land in a park, right? And, and when we, we saw that at D23, and they said this could come to Magic Kingdom. Very excited. That would be, that would be tremendous. Love that. Um, 
having it shoved into an existing restaurant at Disneyland Paris, maybe not. Maybe not the ideal, the ideal project for Coco, right? And also, like, this movie, this movie isn't new, right? It, it just takes them so many years to, to get to the point where they decide to integrate these movies into the park. And by the time they do, they're not, you know, uh, at the height of their popularity anymore. That being said, there's plenty of Disney properties that remain evergreen. Coco's probably one of those. Um, but another weird project um, in, a, in a string, in a, in a year of very weird projects. For the absolute latest on these stories and all that didn't make it into today's show, be sure to check www.nt.com and follow us on all your favorite social media platforms. You can support the entire team behind this show and others by joining the WDWNT Interglobe Society at patreon.com slash WDWNT. Get access to exclusive content, discounted show and event tickets, and more. Special shout out to all of our Wigs members watching who make this show happen every week. For the worldwide leader in Disney Parks news, this is Tom Corliss saying, enjoy the rest of your today, and have a great big beautiful tomorrow. From WDWNT-TV, this is Park Center. Join us each week for news and discussion topics from the Disney and Universal theme parks around the world. We cover the stories in a quick, concise, and fun format, and then our panel breaks down and debates some of the biggest issues and what they mean for us, the parks fans. From the latest announcements to openings and delays to scandals and snacks and merchandise and more, we'll cover it all in 90 minutes. Join us live every Sunday night at 9 p.m. Eastern on YouTube at WDWNT-TV or watch episodes on demand anytime. You can also subscribe to the audio version of the show on your favorite podcast app.